This is Valor Radio. Valor, strength of mind and spirit that enables a person to face danger with resolve and determination in battle or in any other situation. Valor, like that displayed by veterans of every branch of the military throughout our community. This radio show, Valor Radio, salutes all of you who have raised your right hands to volunteer to protect and preserve our unique American way of life. Thanks for joining us and your brothers and sisters in uniform. When liberty's in jeopardy, I will always do what's right. I'm out here on the front lines, sleeping peace tonight. American soldier. Now, Valor Radio. Hello and welcome, soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, coasties, and guardians. Can't leave them out. As well as the civilians serving by their side, we welcome you in here and fresh from Burning Man. Here is Colonel <laughs> Paul Simonelli, spattered with mud, but uh, mud all over the place. None, none the worse for it. All right. Well, sorry to mess up the place, guys. Uh, I'll, I'll do my best to try to keep it uh, in a couple of locations. I guess they found Chris Rock in the back of a pickup truck trying to walk five miles through the mud to get out of that thing. Jeez. Unbelievable. Apparently, the mud has some kind of uh, acidic quality to it. It's like uh, alkali or something in the, in the mud. So people who walk through it get some kind of chemical reaction to it. Charming. What? That's, that's reason number 1009 not to go to Burning Man, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the pictures of that thing? I mean, yeah. as far as the eye can see, tents, cheek by jowl, jammed all together. Ooh. Oh, man. Where, where are they going to the bathroom? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's mm. the first thing that occurs to me. Oh, boy. I guess we're at that age where that's the first thing we think of. Is that what that is? So, so you can't get a bucket of chicken out there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if not. Uber delivers. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. DoorDash. Tent dash. DoorDash. Tent dash. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, well. Well, lot, lots going on. Um, I thought we'd start close to home, uh, something uh, near and dear. And I, you know, I have an affection for Rochester. You know that. Always felt couldn't wait to come home when I was away. Uh, but uh, RIT got a little press this week because uh, they prosecuted someone for going in a multi gender uh, locker room without. Want, without actually being multigender, I guess, was the issue. I guess I didn't foresee that they were going to have a problem. Yeah. So they put, apparently at the back of their dedicated locker rooms, they put transgender locker rooms. So they have locker rooms that anybody can go into, but they're at the back of the dedicated. So if a guy wants to go in the transgender locker room or the any gender locker room they have to walk through the women's locker room to get to it hey now <laughs> <laughs> and apparently according to this article it said it was an autistic graduate uh, research assistant walked through the women's locker room heading because there's a big sign on the women's locker room that says all gender women's locker room all gender locker room but didn't really distinguish that you had to walk through the women's locker room. An all gender locker room doesn't work. That that term does not work. Well, it's not. I'm not using the right term here. I, I want. 
Um, Has the world lost its Students, mind? faculty, staff, or alumni who identify as transgender and or non-binary or who <laughs> have are transitioning or simply don't feel comfortable changing in front of other people and want to use the space for a bit more privacy can use the all-gender locker rooms. That's the statement that they put out after this incident occurred. And that includes children age 8 and eight, older. 8 and above. I like that. Um, yeah. May utilize facilities consistent with their gender identity. What kind of parent would bring their kid to this place? Oh, listen, I, let me tell you something. If you've hung around a public school at all, if you had a kid in public schools, oh, you'd yeah. know them. They're there. Oh, God, I, I, this was like 10 years ago. We what were we were at some, some, you know, like faculty meet and greet at uh, like the head of school's home. And uh, this, this parent kept on referring to... Uh, to her daughter is they, and we're, we're you know Jay and I are looking at each other. Going, what, do they? I thought you only had the one child. Well, what's the they about? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, did we get an education that night? Oh, she did. She offered her. Uh, no, no, it was uh, it was quietly explained to us. But I, it's. But I mean, okay. no. In answer to your earlier question, yeah, there's a lot of nuts out there. So, I guess so. so this is, you know. Problem, universities are out of control. I don't care what any we, – we all agree. I don't think there's any doubt, I mean, with what they charge people. But mm-hmm. when you – you know, but there's critical positions that have to be filled at universities. Um, and this is the, – the, uh, this woman, one of the people involved in this hearing, works at the Women, Gender, and Sexuality Resource Center, which is part of... Wow. So, wait a minute, which is part of the Progressive Intersectional Place to Meet, or Intersectional. PRISM. Right. PRISM had collaborated with um, with RIT to in creating these all-gender bathroom policies. So they, <laughs> they, they got the pros to do this, and, you know, there's some mid-level administrator. Um, what do you want to aspire to be in life? I want to be... An intersectional I, bathroom... I want to work at, Right. I want to work at the Women, Gender, and Sexuality yeah, Resource man. Center. So yeah. this is just absolutely ridiculous. I, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so they charge this guy. They go into these formal hearings. First of all, they're kangaroo courts. Yeah, this, oh. yeah, this is not civil co- uh, criminal court. I mean, in the regular criminal justice system. No, this, this is, is this is the kangaroo court in the college. Right. The kangaroo oh, court in the college. All, all spelled oh. with K's. Oh, right. Geez. Absolutely out of control. Anyway, the bottom line is they ended up throwing out all the charges. The guy was smarty. At least he hired a good attorney. Uh, I saw the name of the attorney. Uh, Holy moly. But your life can be ruined because this is on your record permanently. So this freaking, this this charade cost this kid probably, what, five grand? I I know. The attorney hired was a good attorney. Um, He has a great reputation in town here. And so I don't know what he charged him, but this is just lunacy. This can ruin you, though, because this follows you sure. absolutely oh, yeah. the rest of your Closes down career opportunities for um, everything. So, but, uh, so everything, got, everything got purged, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, the guy goes, I'm a man that identifies as a man. But the double standards are astounding, given that I didn't even use the locker room, but accidentally ran through. The research assistant stated. So, um, yeah, there's absolutely no forgiveness right. in, in in the world of liberalism. Right. Yeah. Um, You're branded forever. Yeah. So you know, I'm 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 into a book right now, um, and it's uh, it's a short book. It's called. Uh, um, let me see. I want to make sure I get the, the name right. The Founder's Speech to a Nation in Crisis. 
So this author, Steve Rabb, he took quotes from all the founding fathers. The premise is that they all just reappear in Philadelphia, Independence Hall in Philadelphia, to get together to write a letter to the nation. Like, you guys have really screwed up. We handed you something really oh, special. Boy. And I just started reading the book this weekend. But then, you know, I'm reading this book, and then I'm seeing this kind of stuff, and it makes me absolutely <sighs> lunatic. But one of the re- – even in the first, you know, 100 pages or 70 pages of the book – Something that gets reaffirmed by just about quotes from every single one of the founding fathers is that, uh, you know, our system is based, we could have the greatest constitution, the greatest bill of rights, everything else. But if people aren't faithful and moral or attempting to be faithful and moral, the system's going to collapse under sure. its own weight. It's just a piece of paper. Right. And Parchment. It, it was meant, and it was meant to, for people that were faithful and moral, not, and, it, the system will not survive. And grounded in the Judeo-Christian ethic. Right, right, absolutely. And once again, not pushing any one faith or another, mm-hmm. but you know, there people need to be grounded in their lives somehow, and, and we've lost that, and the, the Constitution standing by itself doesn't work. It, it's, it, it's a tool for the people, and if the people aren't willing to do their part. So interesting book. You read this kind of stuff. That... Um, Ronald Reagan said, America is an idea. Right. Right. So, I don't know. I want to talk about one more court case when we come back. Uh, I think we predicted this was going to happen at the service academies after this recent Supreme Court decision on affirmative action. We'll talk about that right after uh, this break on Valor Radio. WYSL 92.1 FM, 95.5 FM West and AM 1040. Your go-to for standard of specialized business insurance coverage. MGM Associates of Rochester, now serving the region and beyond in New York. Since 1984, MGM has provided leading coverage from a wide range of carriers. Not only home, condo, boat, motorcycle, and auto, but also specialized policies for all types of businesses, including nonprofits and law firms, livery insurance, property insurance, and bonds for all needs. MGM Associates of Rochester provides auto, workers' comp, health care, and liability coverage. Choose from virtual appointments or good old in-office, in-person consults by appointment at our Penfield office. Five-time consecutive winner of the National Best Practices Award, MGM is proud to support veterans groups. For your personal business, home, or professional insurance needs, meet the experienced staff at MGM Associates. Locally and proudly owned at 1745 Penfield Road in Penfield, 381-7008 or mgminsure.com. An associate of Finger Lakes Fire and Casualty, Route 227, Trumansburg, New York. The colors are red for valor, white for innocence, and blue for justice. Our nation's flag proclaims liberty for all. And our military service members continue to fight for the right to live in freedom. Honor their service and sacrifice with an American-made flag from the Stars and Stripes Flag Store. Visit eflagstore.com to shop now. All proceeds support Veterans Outreach Center and local veterans. Join Abate Monroe County, American bikers aimed toward education and help adult bikers ride free and safe. Check out our meetings on the third Friday monthly at Wise Guys Diner and Catering, 2811 Dewey Avenue. Join Abate for less than 50 cents a week. Google Abate Monroe County on the web. 
Hey, how about becoming a member of the National Warplane Museum in Geneseo, New York? Help us preserve history. Plus, you get some pretty fancy benefits. Visit us online, nationalwarplanemuseum.com. If you're a veteran in crisis or concerned about one, please call the Veterans Crisis Line at 988 and then press 1. Donate now, vocroc.org. From Niagara Falls to the Adirondacks and from Canada to Pennsylvania, you're listening to Valor Radio. We're back in here with the Colonel and the Captain, and uh, we say thank you and farewell to uh, Jimmy Buffett. Nibbling on sponge cake, watching the sun bake. All of those tourists covered with oil. We're just uh, setting up another song to play for you a little later on in the program here. And Jimmy Buffett's introing come Monday. And uh, he he, ref- he refers to their 2.4 hit records. There's <laughs> a voluminous output. A lot of lot of music. Yeah. Albums and everything else. Uh, but really, you know, it was come Monday, um, Margaritaville and Cheeseburger in Paradise. And those, those are the three hits that anybody can name. Right. Unless you're... Uh... You know, unless you're one of his uh, parrot head parrot heads, and <laughs> um, you know, there's just something about it down in uh, never. You know, I love going to Key West, and you know, went into his place there all the time. Just have to go in and have a drink. That just, was his, that was his first Margaritaville. Yeah, that, that look. It's and, a funny little. It's just like a little bar. Yeah, it's just a little right. Nothing fancy, but people always go in there hoping that he's just going to show up and you know. Pick up his guitar and start playing, which apparently he did quite a bit. And um, but uh, he had a lot of a lot of very diverse interests, uh, accomplished in a lot of different things. In addition to just being out there and, and and being a great entertainer, and you know if you measure it by wealth, he's you know he did quite well considering two point four hits. Uh, wait a minute, two point four hits and a billion dollars. What does that <laughs> add up to? Is that like? Um, that's a solution that I would be in favor of for, uh, for like me personally. Four point eight million or four hundred eighty million dollars per hit or something like that. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but uh, just uh, absolutely, uh, we are going to miss some people. He he did have a faithful following for sure. Um, you have a gift for understatement. <clears throat> people would follow him around. Right. The parrotheads would. Yeah, go to his concerts. It almost became like the Grateful Dead. Hey, did you see what's his name? Moved his left foot during. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, no, so uh, we, we'll be missed, and uh, thank you for everything you did to make things better for folks. Great entertainer. I didn't know that he was sick. I didn't know that there was a problem. Yeah, skin cancer. Yeah, uh, very a very aggressive skin cancer ultimately. Hmm. So because he diagnosed in 2019 and um, was fighting it, and I don't know, I was listening to a, a podcast. I don't know if it was Joe Rogan, someone else that knew him very well. He had a concert recently, not that long ago, that he ended up uh, postponing, that which never happens, but it was because of health. So sort of had the idea that things weren't going well for him. Mm-hmm. So we we talked about, uh, about a month ago, uh, Supreme Court put out a decision about affirmative action for college admissions and said, uh, you can't do that because you end up, you know, hurting other folks that... Uh, should be entitled an opportunity to attend these universities. But stuck in a footnote um, of that decision was uh, uh, 
a footnote of was a, a statement uh, by um, Chief Justice saying that uh, ostensibly saying that the service academies were exempt from this ruling. Now, it didn't Thank say you, it that John way, Roberts. but so the good news is, I guess. I mean, we we talked about that about a month ago when the decision came out. Said it's not going to be long before someone goes after um, the service academies because if no no other place, where should where should uh, a um, where should there be fairness? In making this determination, the people that we're going to appoint as officers in the military to lead, lead our you know our our soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, all those folks. Um, where else should there be? Uh, you have the best people possible, and ostensibly what this uh, decision said was: well, you can not pick the best people; you can pick them for who they are rather than what their capabilities are. And so now the same organization that filed the original lawsuit is now collecting data on the service academies and admissions uh, folks that didn't get into the service academies. I think it's a much tougher situation than the colleges. Um, They always give unbelievable deference to, you know, the Department of Defense and the military when it comes to how they do business. The courts have always taken a real wide birth around the military and let them do things. Um, and, and if the military says they need a diverse um, leadership in order to be a viable fighting force, I don't know how they're going to – it'll be interesting to watch this as it progresses through the courts. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Steve? I, I, all I kept thinking about was, the, you know, the, the, I wish somebody on the Supreme Court had served in the military and understood the whole concept of meritocracy. Because uh, you cannot have both. If you're, if you're going to apportion um, appointments, uh, promotions by protected class or race or whatever, whatever the, the uh, circumstance is, you're, you're going to water down the meritocracy. And I, I think that's just uh, horrendous. And I wish they had some... Somebody there who could speak for the military, who understood the military and had served, and maybe they wouldn't they wouldn't have felt that way. I don't know. Right, and the Biden administration, while they were not a party directly to um, this lawsuit that was out there, uh, they, you know, filed a Justice Department filed a brief saying that the military needed this um, to in order to make the military stronger, better, and like once again, they usually do give. Deference to, you know, the the military, and and it looks like they did that in this opinion. Now, um, whether it's going to end up holding up or not, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, but I think they have a much tougher. First of all, getting inside the admissions process is not going to be easy because uh, there's it, the way that it's done doesn't always make a lot of sense. At least from what I've observed um, in the last. Do you think the military lawyers made the case for uh, why they had to have? Uh... No, I don't think it was military. I think it was probably the Justice Department. Yeah, probably did it. I'm sure. Uh, but you don't think the military had any, any uh, sway or any? I don't think so. Okay. I don't. I, think, I'm just I, wondering. I I don't know. Um, I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm just wondering. Yeah, I I, I just think it's interesting that uh, um, it said the United States and in its amicus curiae contends 
that race-based admissions programs further compelling interests at our nation's military academies. Chief Justice John Roberts wrote in a footnote, no military academy is a party to these cases. However, and none of the courts below address the propriety of race-based admissions systems in that context. This opinion also does not address the issue. In light of the potentially distinct interests that the military academies may present... Um, so ostensibly, he doesn't say what those distinct interests are, but um, the you know the Biden administration argued um, in a friend of the court brief for keeping affirmative action on the grounds that the military depends on well-qualified and diverse officer corps that is prepared to lead a diverse fighting force. So I'm not sure what that means. I mean, society, you know, the, the military has always been a cross-section of society. Um, it Usually the numbers are a little bit different than the population, mm-hmm. you know, for minorities, maybe a little bit higher in the military than uh, the number of, you know, the percentage. But I, I just don't understand what that means. I, so we'll just continue to watch this and see what happens with this case. I know. I, uh, discrimination is discrimination. Is right. Discrimination. It I, is. It, it, you know, if any, uh, you know, uh, Steve uh, uh, dealt a glancing blow to this in his last comments. But anything other than merit, any factor other than merit, uh, which uh, forms the basis of a decision and selection, is is discrimination. And, you know, this is a pendulum swimming, swinging back and forth. You'll never stop it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I understand. I understand completely if a senior leader is going to make a selection about, um, you know, for a position for someone mm-hmm. and – the three of us are all competing for that, and the three of us are all highly qualified, and that senior person worked with Steve before and knows Steve on a personal level and has more insight than what's on paper, and so he selects Steve for that position. I, that's just – that's understandable. If I'm a senior leader, I'm going to – if I – I want excellence, but I also want excellence. And, you know, you look for loyalty and other things that are are intangibles. And if you already know someone, that happens sometimes. But that doesn't mean, you know, he got the job because, you know, or he got the job in spite of being less qualified. It's just that, you know, there's a lot of qualified people for a lot of jobs that are out there. There's a lot of people that want to go to the service academies. You know, each service academy gets eighteen to 20,000 applications, and they're not – you know, and these are people that are competing for Ivy League schools and things. Uh, so it's it's the cream of the crop. You know, they're they're picking one out of twenty, maybe are are being offered admission, hmm. um, and of those that apply, and that that's a you know compared to you can line that right up with all the other Ivy League schools that are out there in terms of uh, you know the volume of people that are applying. Um, you got really high quality people generally, and, and you want to keep that keep it that way. I know I have personal experience with folks that didn't get into West Point that you know they wanted for athletics or something, and they just they didn't want to set the person up for failure. So ultimately, they didn't accept the person, even though they really wanted the person, uh, you know, athletically, and the person was very committed to wanting to go to a service academy. That's all they wanted to do. But uh, I don't know. I think it's a tough situation, and we'll watch this as it progresses through the courts now 
or they haven't filed a lawsuit yet. They're just in the collection of information, um, and we'll see what happens down the road with the filing of a lawsuit to see if they can uh, change this policy at the service academies. All right. Um, so uh, just real quickly, I, good program, bad name, bad timing. Oh, you talk, I know what you're going to talk oh. about. Go ahead, Steve. The yeah. Brandon Act? The Brandon Act. Okay. Uh, <laughs> now, no. you know what? This, this it's is, not what you this, think, folks. This is an important thing, too, because we all know suicide is a big deal right now in the services. They're trying to get their hand, hands around it, and they're, they're not doing a very good job of it. Suicide is it, it's increasing, and people are, are concerned. Parents are concerned about their kids going in service and, and uh, having a problem. So um, the Brandon Act was designed to help soldiers get mental health care. That meant immediately... Uh, and uh, was named after Petty Officer Third Class Brandon Caserta, who committed suicide in 2018 after becoming a Navy SEAL. And uh, any soldier can get supervis- uh, their supervisor, staff sergeant and above, to give them a referral, and no reason is required. Hey, Kevin, let's pick up on this on the other side of the break here. If we could, we got to go. This is a hard break. We'll be back with more Valor Radio. Yes, it's been quite a summer. Rent a cars and westbound train. You're listening to Valor Radio with Colonel Paul Simonelli. I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away. Drag back home and drown my troubles away. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is living in the new world with an old soul. These rich men north the rich men. As of the Tuesday morning, we record this uh, edition of Valor Radio. 57 million views of this song since he recorded it at the beginning of the month. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Wow. And and given the way, you know, the whole entertainment industry is, he probably couldn't, they probably wouldn't let him through the front door, you know, he probably couldn't have found someone to promote this or anything else. Oh, this oh is contrary. A, He's turned down an $8 million offer from a record company. Well, my point is he did it. Yeah. You know, that's the one nice thing about the Internet is that, you know, it can come through. It's it's similar to, uh, you know, what, you know, Tucker Carlson's interview of uh, Donald Trump's at 157 million, 160 million people. Yeah. Good yeah. Um, gosh. Unbelievable. Unbelievable numbers. This guy, uh, guy lives in a uh, in a camper he bought on Craigslist for seven hundred and fifty dollars. He's still living in it on uh, on some land that he's he's still you know working to pay off. I and bet, uh, he, I bet he paid it off this month. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. He's I I don't know what the the you know what the financial model is for this. He went out in the woods and recorded it on his cell phone. 
pretty. It's and that's recorded on a cell phone. Yeah, isn't that something? Well, multiple cell phones because there's wow. different. There's different perspectives. But. Yeah, just absolutely. What are you going to do? This is just. It's great and great content, and of course, speaking, sh- speaking truth. Yes. So, uh, to, you know, just to finish up on, I wonder how they're going to handle it at the uh, CMA Awards or whatever. You know. How, how, how oh, deal listen, with him? I, I'm sure that the, uh, the the powers that be in Nashville hate this. I'm sure they hate do. Hate this. Yeah. He's not going to be able to certify that he has um, has the requisite number of uh, people, you know, on his staff and everything else. That do they have special to, circumstances there, too? Like, the, can I make Everywhere. It? Oh, great. Everywhere. Um, so <laughs> it'll be interesting to see. And... Uh, <clears throat> I, I don't know. You know, let's go back, Steve, uh, just for a second. You were talking about uh, the Brandon Act, the Brandon Act. But, you know, obviously anything the military can do to help reduce suicide. I, I'm not sure that the anything that they can do that's going to be so powerful um, to make us. I, I don't want to be a cynic about it, but uh, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm all for it. let them keep trying right. um, different things and see if they can find something that works. Often the military has come up with solutions because um, their hands haven't been tied the way other folks' hands may have been tied. But what's unfortunate about this, obviously, this is named after this gentleman who you, you said became a SEAL. I think he didn't become – he ended up not finishing SEAL school. Um, if I, am oh, I, I, I read that he had become a SEAL. Maybe, maybe, maybe I was wrong. Yeah. but Well, whatever. But bottom line is he did end up uh, uh, committing suicide, and they named this act after him and uh, – uh, the services are all jumping on board, but once again, the whole Brandon thing, unfortunately. I know. Um, it sort of, is pretty unfortunate. Yeah. It's scar it with that because that's become almost, uh, um, unfortunately, given the current uh, political uh, climate. Yeah. That, uh, not something great that we want to. Apparently, the, the, the Army is, I think, the third service to come on board with it. I mean, the, the Navy and I think the Air Force uh, went first. Right. So. Right. Um, that's it, they know that they have a problem, and I don't want to say they're desperate, but they're they're open to suggestions. And you know, I I give them credit for trying. Right. They got to try something. Right. Um, I I wonder sometimes if they, I, 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 if they really are getting to the root of the problem. But um, um, it's going to take a while to figure out what what uh, course of action is going to work. Well, you know, I go back to. Not to spend too much time on this, but you've, you know it's something we've talked about before. The root of the problem is the lack of resilience that young folks have, and that is a result of you know the the world we've created. We mm-hmm. we've created a faithless, you know, standardless, um, do as you feel, mm-hmm. whatever feels good is okay to do. And um, you know these kids get out in the real world, and with the challenges of the real world, and um, uh, it's just not how it works. There is still a bit of meritocracy out there, and uh, just because you wanna doesn't mean you're going to be able to do something. So um, we're uh, something we have to watch. You know, this is. Let's try to draw some. I want to change the subject here while uh, we have a chance because a lot of things I wanted to talk about. But uh, um, eight hundred forty thousand Afghans um, have applied for resettlement program. Uh, and since uh, the end of uh, our uh, involvement, involvement yeah. in Afghanistan, and they're still waiting, almost a million people. We're letting people flow in freely through the border, 
and we've got 840,000 people. Think many about of, that. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And those are people that all, either they're someone in the family or multiple family members work for us over there that are in jeopardy um, for their survival. And um, That's a substantial portion of the population of Afghanistan. Yeah. When you think about it. And and do should all of them need to come over here? Some of them trying to get over here. You know, but the people that we depended on over there, you know, we should have had a plan in place. We should yeah. have executed that plan. Yeah. And, you know, the State Department, shame on them. Shame on this administration. Shame on the State Department. Um, it, it's classic stuff like this. You know, I've been... Well, they, they're, they're getting bureaucratic, too. They said, well, 50% of the people who apply uh, do not qualify. Well, that's, that's nice. I'm glad to hear that. And that may be the case. Yeah. But why are the fi- other 50% still waiting then? Right. Um, uh, I I know uh, I know when I was in Bosnia we had some problems. Uh, some of our interpreters, their families were being threatened. You know there was uh, night letters left at their homes threatening right. them, and uh, right. you know we w- had to work out a way to get some of them out of uh, out of Bosnia, out of Serbia, right. you know, out of that part of the Eastern Europe. And it was tough. It yeah. was very difficult. We were those are onesies and twosies. I can't even comprehend no. trying to do this on a large scale. Well, well you, you know, they've been doing this since two thousand nine. This program began in oh nine, mm-hmm. and they're still trying to figure it out. Yeah, you think by now they would have, they would have, you know, gotten the range, but they haven't, and it's just getting worse, and the backlog is bigger and worse than before, but. The State Department reassured us we have hired some extra staff. Yeah, that that really makes me gives me a warm and fuzzy feeling. So this is this is how this is how policy is implemented. Policy is about you know policy implementation is about how much money you can get. So you can stand up and say we have this great policy and we're going to do this, but then you don't fund it and. It, you know, it's just lip service, and we're just finding this with these uh, with these folks, and some of them are are in you know in dire straits. It's been two years since we left Afghanistan. It's interesting. I went and was looking at articles from around the world. Nothing in the U.S. press I could read had any sort of credibility. As soon as you you know you get into the second or third line of it, and you can see it's BS. But I'm I'm just dumbfounded about how some. You know, other otherwise legitimate publications around the world are saying how wonderful things are in Afghanistan right now. Oh, uh, really? You, yeah, you got freedom of movement. You can go anywhere. I'll bet. Um, anywhere you want, and there's no, you don't have to worry about being attacked. All the drug lords have been arrested, so there, that means there must be no heroin coming out of Afghanistan. Sure. Um, you know, and I'm reading these articles, and I'm saying, what? Where? What what rose-colored glasses are these people wearing, or who's paying them to write this drivel? Baghdad Bob. So yeah, um, Baghdad Bob. Horrible, horrible situation over there, and uh, the legacy of it on how we left. Um, something that we're not going to get over for a long, long time.
Jimmy Buffett for all the great songs. And uh, we'll be back with more Valor Radio coming up. Your go-to for standard of specialized business insurance coverage. MGM Associates of Rochester, now serving the region and beyond in New York. Since 1984, MGM has provided leading coverage from a wide range of carriers. Not only home, condo, boat, motorcycle, and auto, but also specialized policies for all types of businesses, including nonprofits and law firms, livery insurance, property insurance, and bonds for all needs. MGM Associates of Rochester provides auto, workers' comp, health care, and liability coverage. Choose from virtual appointments or good old in-office, in-person consults by appointment at our Penfield office. Five-time consecutive winner of the National Best Practices Award, MGM is proud to support veterans groups. For your personal business, home, or professional insurance needs, meet the experienced staff at MGM Associates. Locally and proudly owned at 1745 Penfield Road in Penfield, 381-7008 or mgminsure.com. An associate of Finger Lakes Fire and Casualty, Route 227, Trumansburg, New York. The colors are red for valor, white for innocence, and blue for justice. Our nation's flag proclaims liberty for all, and our military service members continue to fight for the right to live in freedom. Honor their service and sacrifice with an American-made flag from the Stars and Stripes Flag Store. Visit eflagstore.com to shop now. All proceeds support Veterans Outreach Center and local veterans. As a veteran of the United States military, I can finally get the opportunity to enjoy special events, things that we couldn't afford, thanks to Ventix. Every empty seat at a concert, a game, or a play is a missed opportunity to say thanks to a veteran and service member. We can give our veterans a special event where they, too, can create their own cherished memories. Visit VetTix.org. Find out how you can make a difference in a veteran's life. You're listening to Valor Radio with Colonel Paul Simonelli. Thanks for joining us here on Valor Radio with the Colonel and the Captain. You like this one. I love this one. Those are all the chords I used to love to play on my guitar. <laughs> yeah. Cool. You play lead? No. Okay. No. Bass? No, just I'm the guy in the back. Okay. All right. <laughs> I like Family of Man. Yeah. So many hits, Three Dark Nights. Oh, unbelievable. What a great name of group, you know? Wow. So very 1970. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Steve, you, you sent over a story this week, uh, which I found really interesting. Um, it made me think of a couple of the Yellowstone um, uh a couple of scenes in Yellowstone where, you know, they show up or they're driving down the road and they see a I've tour never seen bus. It. Oh, well. Uh, I guess I'm a, missing something. No, you see a tour bus um, parked on the side of the road and you see all these people. And it happened to be like Asian folks walking on, you know, privately owned property. And they go in there and try to tell them this is private property. You can't be here. Um, and you sent this article about uh, folks trying to get onto military bases Chinese folks uh, oh. trying to get on and no oh, that, that yeah that's not good. So we we are being assaulted by um by by Chinese spies and um 
and uh, it, it there's no effort. I don't. I can't see it to counter what's going on. I, I just don't see it happening. Uh, you would think the intelligence community would would be coming up with ways to 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 counter what's going on in Beijing, but I don't see it. I think we're just vulnerable, and we're just going to keep on being vulnerable till something bad happens. So, you know, the some of the shticks that uh, these folks are using to try to get on base. Typically, most military installations, if they're of a certain size, um, have a fast food restaurant on them, at least one mm-hmm. fast food restaurant on them. And that money, any profit that's made from that being there goes into supporting, you know. Uh, welfare and rec. Right. Morale, welfare, recreational yeah. activities right. on the base. So if you Google Burger King and, you know, you're in Key West, you're going to come up on this. One of the Burger Kings that's going to pop up is on a naval installation. So mm-hmm. these folks are going to the front gates of these naval or these military installations, saying, "Oh, I was trying to go to Burger King. See on my on my phone, it says this is the closest Burger." King. I mean, all kinds of excuses to try to get on the base, um, and they would be let in in those circumstances. Well, I don't know that they are or not, but they they tend to do it, and they've had folks uh, that they've observed in Key West. You know, there's quite an intelligence gathering capability looking south. Um, in Key West, hard to believe, but electronic, yeah. uh, and so they've caught people swimming very close. Oh, I was <laughs> just out for a swim, but it's like you know a mile from the beach or something. Not the I average. Went, in nineteen ninety three or ninety four, I went uh, TDY uh, when I was a reserve manager to um, NAS Bell Chase, uh, Louisiana, and that's where we had a, with the, uh, he had a JRIC site with Joint Reserve Intelligence Center. And um, when I got to the base and I went through the main gate, it was only a couple of minutes to the facility where I was. As soon as I got in the facility, I walked in the door, and on the quarter deck of the facility, there was a picture of a Russian AGI, which is an intelligence-gathering ship, which was taken in the Mississippi River. This AGI had gotten into the Mississippi River, and it was outside the main gate at Bell Chase with its antenna pointed right at him. And you could see him. It was a. It was a, taken like with a deep focus lens, where it was like it looked like it was right down the throat of the gate guard. Unbelievable. Yeah. How does, yeah. That, how does that happen? That's exactly what I asked. Yeah. How does that happen? But some of some of the intel people on the base went out and took pictures of it. it at at uh, Fort, so we knew about it. Yeah. We, but we did we do anything about it at Fort Wainwright, Alaska? Um, it says. Uh, a group of Chinese nationals claiming to be tourists tried to push past guards, saying they had reservations at the hotel on base. That's another thing. Tend to, if Given the size of the base, there tends to be a hotel. Um, now, the company that has a contract right now is a company that owns Holiday Inn. So, <laughs> once again, if you go and search hotels right. you know, around, It'll come up. Yeah. It, it may come up. And so they always trying to use these excuses. And they work. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, remarkably, they work. The fast food restaurant, the hotel. I got to use the bathroom. Um, right. <laughs> um, Great. So. I don't know how that happened. I mean, I was born in Rochester, New York, and I tried to get into the uh, uh, Radio Marti facility in Marathon, Florida. Oh. oh. And, I, you know, I was out of the front gate, and I was slinging all the BS at this this guy. <laughs> he was having none of it. Really? But, yeah. Well, I'm a station owner in upstate New York. I just love to see the uh, love to see the facility. And, uh, and uh, no. So, Not you know, chance, huh? two purposes here. Uh, I think one, always testing 
Pushing the, the envelope. Yeah, the security at these places. What? Where are the vulnerabilities? See if we can identify. They can identify vulnerabilities, and also if they do happen to get through, um, what intelligence they're able to glean from just driving around and uh, seeing what you see when you're working on a daily basis. Um, I know. I know. Last time I was out in San Diego, drove around naval facility out in Coronado Island. Um, I guess if I knew what I was looking for, I mean, I was literally a hundred feet from hangars with naval jets, you know, and all various states of uh, disrepair. Well, disrepair, you know, disassembly. Mm -hmm. And if I I knew it, and I just drove around, I was less than a hundred yards with a good camera. I could take pictures of anything. No one was watching or anything driving through. Um, So I guess if you can get access uh, there, you know, there's always stuff to be gleaned, but once again, always looking for vulnerabilities and, uh, for when they want to do, when they do want to get access. So, um, pictures I'm, of people like getting a ch- cheesecake shot at a, a naval air station or whatever, while they're working on a, an aircraft with the radome open, right? you know, where they could see everything, you know, photograph everything. So, uh, it's just, it's just amazing. Yeah. The operational security in military bases across the country is just abysmal. Yeah. It really is. I just hate to say it. So, uh, yeah, just something, once again, I'm not sure why we do what we do. Um, not sure either. But uh, So we, we talked about, a few months ago, we talked about the Army implemented a program pre-basic training, before basic training, mm-hmm. to try to get kids ready, yeah. increase the number of kids with potential to get through mm-hmm. basic training. And they like it. And the program has worked really well. So... I guess kids are coming at a different phase. You know, they're not developed as they were physically and otherwise, and they've, they're doing this extra period of time before they actually start basic training. 95% success rate, they say. Right. So 95% of the people that start. But. But. But the, the recruitment numbers are still going south. Right. Right. So for all their efforts and all the success that this program engenders, they still haven't gotten the recruitment numbers to go right back everybody's up again. everybody's straining or with even that. level off and that's bigger societal issues mm-hmm. um we could talk about but this is uh, it, what this does though this increases the potential pool right so right now maybe folks that didn't have a chance before because they just couldn't didn't have the tools necessary are developing those tools and uh and you can bet that the other services are watching closely sure because if if, if, if they have to go to that model they will yeah yeah so I, Steve, I thought I'd give you a chance here uh, on this last story we wanted to talk about today. Someone who passed away, Bob Barker. Oh, Bob Barker. I, yeah, I, when I saw that, I was kind of sad. But, I, you know, Bob Barker is one of these people who was so old, everybody thought, well, I thought he was already dead. Well, Bob Barker hung out for a long, hung on for a long time. But um, what I like about Bob Barker was he was a World War II guy. He didn't serve overseas, and he didn't serve in combat, but he was a real, no-kidding naval aviator. You know, he got his wings, he, he, he looked good in uniform, and that's what he said. He, that's the reason why he said he went in the Navy in the first place. He saw that uniform, he said, <laughs> if I'm going to go to war, I want to go to war in that uniform. And he was a good guy. 99. Class act from, from start to finish. You know, truth or consequences. Uh, think of all those shows. Right, that Price he did. Is Right was fifty years. Yeah, that's fifty right. years. Yeah. Wow. I mean, think yeah. about that. Think about that. Fifty years of The Price Is Right, and he was a stud. You know, you ever hear about some of his 
his girlfriends. He, Bob Barker was a ladies' man. Uh-huh. He was. And a lot of people don't like to talk about it because it got him in a little bit of trouble sometimes with, um, you know, competition and, and, you know, various people that he worked with saying, you know, Bob promised me. and But Bob was a good guy. I like Bob. I always liked him. Yeah, and he's part Native American. I didn't know that. I did not I know, didn't that know that either. either. That, uh, no. um, he grew up. He was born December 12, 1923. Uh, before his service, Barker grew up on the Rosebud Indian Reservation in North Dakota. His father was a quarter Sioux, and Barker was listed as and considered himself as part Sioux. After the United States entered World War II, Barker enlisted in 1943. He chose the U.S. Navy because of his own uh, admission. He saw a photo of naval aviator <laughs> in full dress whites and was impressed by the man's appearance. <laughs> so, How you like Great that? stuff. So we'll miss you. Thanks uh, for all the entertainment Rest for in all peace, these Bob. years. Yeah. All right, it's music time, so we're done. Uh, Steve, thank I'm you very much. Fan. Appreciate thank it, Robert. Thank you. Uh, let's keep our soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, coasties, guardians, those working with them in your thoughts and your prayers this week, and we'll see you next week on the next edition of Valor Radio. There's bills that I can't pay I don't do it for the glory I just do it anyway Providing for our futures My responsibility Yeah, I'm real good